Welcome to a football show, everybody. Thursday edition brought to you by the Kingston Group and the Pharmacy, of course, our two great, amazing, wonderful local sponsors. My name is Braden Gall. His name is Zach Lyons. Uh, amid the tornado watch in Middle Tennessee, we are all here hanging out, talking Is football. there a tornado watch? There's, there's supposedly a tornado watch coming, or it could it could happen until 7 p.m. I don't know. I'm just I'm waiting to get the, the text message alert on the phone to go pick up my children. But uh, until then, let's argue about the Titans quarterback situation, <laughs> shall we? Uh, so we've got a lot to discuss today. I do think one name that you and I, and I think largely uh, most people in, in this line of work have not really talked a lot about is Malik Willis. Now, Paul Karski brought this up on his podcast this week, Paul Karski Podcast, of course, on the 440 Sports Network. We're going to talk about Malik Willis and his role in this whole entire situation with new people in charge of the offense. What what does it look like for him? Um, We've kind of not really had a chance to talk about him too much, Zach, so we're going to dive into that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, is is top of mind. Um, I think we probably can move on from Derek Carr at this point. I don't know if you're tired of talking about it, but um, I, I think we all can kind of move on from Derek Carr, but we uh, Derek Carr is going to the Saints. There's just no way around it. That's the yeah. only team that probably wants him. And people are connecting the dots to Todd Downing. But here's the thing about Todd Downing and his relationship. When he signed with the Tennessee Titans, Derek Carr had nothing nice to say. <laughs> like <laughs> no. you guys got just can't make lazy connections. And the the media is is tearing me up with this. It's like pissing me off. But Derek Carr is not coming to the Tennessee Titans. He's going to be a New Orleans Saints. They're the only team that showed any kind of interest in him while he was available for trade. He has a former head coach that he actually respects and Dennis Allen. That's where he's going. It just yeah, makes I, 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 I tend to agree. And you and I have already argued about Derek Carr and, and Ryan Tannehill. And you know, yeah. it, like it, it is what it is. It doesn't make, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I think Tannehill would be better for the Titans. So it doesn't make any sense. I don't also don't think there's any actual interest from the Tennessee Titans in Derek Carr. So yeah. let's move on from Derek Carr. <laughs> the only reason um, the Tennessee Titans are going to get connected, and we said this on Monday, and I think I said it last week, is that there is no concrete evidence or or voice or messaging coming out from St. Thomas Sports Park that says that Ten- Ryan Tannehill is our guy. Yeah, that, and that's a really valid point. I think you've said it a number of times, but it's worth reiterating, which is that the Titans could just end all of this with a quick release and a restructure of the deal. <laughs> like yeah. all of this is all, all they have is to done. do. All this is done. Tannehill's they the enjoy guy. making life hell. <laughs> all, or they enjoy making our content easier, <laughs> which, yes, which I, th- I think, I think Vrabel does troll the media more than he'll ever admit. Uh, oh yeah. I, I think it happens all the time on the practice facility in particular. Um, all right. So lots of stuff to do today. We'll get into the Malik Willis, you know, kind of fresh start with the new eyes on him. Uh, again, Paul Karski talked a lot about that on his show. Uh, I know you talked a lot on football and other F words. Make sure you subscribe to that and turn on the YouTube page notifications there as well. You and Mike kind of doing the, the cost benefit analysis of each of these different quarterbacks, but you and I have not had a lot of time to talk about Aaron Rodgers specifically. So we're going to do Aaron, some Aaron Rodgers talk today on the show as he is kind of in the middle of his darkness, isolation, well, you know, we just uh, we know it's sometime this week. We just don't know what day he decided to go and be an asshole. Solitary confinement, self-inflicted garbage. I don't know. So we'll we'll, we'll talk. We're going to talk Aaron Rodgers because really the questions are, you know, like what would be the cost of acquisition? What would be the cost to the team? And would it actually work? I mean, I think he's by far the best quarterback of all the quarterbacks we're talking about here. But I I, I know who Mike Vrabel is. <laughs> I definitely think he was the best quarterback of all the quarterbacks we're talking about. 
Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, fine. I, I think that is that. A, I don't know who that's a shot at, but I, I will we'll take it. Uh, and then, of course, the Ravens hired a new dog. Rarely does a Titans SEC topic overlap like Todd Munkin has today for us, which is wonderful. I love it. And and really, we're the only show to pick up on this because <laughs> I'm the probably the only media member not willing to accept that Mike Rabel had six conversations that were so wonderful with wonderful candidates from outside the organization that uh, I, I'm just going to con- not continue to sweep it under the rug. So this Todd Monken thing really, really puts things into old perspective when you look at a list I got That's in my true. hands. That, that is true. You're not the only one. I I just don't think Luke Steckel was, you know, one of the six names. <laughs> well, I oh, think he, I, he, he, he 100% there. is. He's 100% oh, no. one of the six. So lots of stuff to do on the show today. Again, the Todd Monken hiring from Georgia to Baltimore tells us a lot about two things. The future of the SEC, but also the Titans offensive coordinator search, which, again, is just a fabulous Venn diagram for me personally, because I love that shit. So it's great. Uh, So we're going to talk about what it tells us about the Titans offensive coordinator search, but also the future of the SEC with Georgia and Alabama. But Kingston Group and Pharmacy, what, what, what more do we need to say about our two wonderful and amazing partners? Kingston Group, a big supporter of our kids, by the way, a charity that I've been on the board of. Soup Sunday is this Sunday at Nissan Stadium, of course. Um, and for 25 bucks, you can go taste 20, you know, 35 of the best soups in Nashville. Kingston group has long been a supporter of our kids. So, uh, why not go eat some great soup and support the children of middle Tennessee? Just another example of why you support local businesses. The Kingston group is not only the best place to help get help with your home, but they are also out there leading in the community, trying to take care of, of the most vulnerable people in Nashville, which is of course our children. So the Kingston group build kg.com. And the pharmacy has been feeding children. So make sure you go over to the pharmacy and get yourself, although not not the not the locally sourced beers for the kids. Let's not let's not get that. I mean, if they're like 16 or 17, you can give them a little beer. You remember like when you're like, did your dad oh, ever, I had a horrible experience with Coors Light that it like it took me years to get over because it takes no, no, I'm, <laughs> how old are you talking about with your age at this, oh, this story? Well, with that, it was like, you know, eight or nine or something. Wow. Okay, we need to. We might need to explore this. Uh, do you not remember? Yeah, like, I, I didn't drink for the longest time until like my sophomore year of college, my junior year of college. Because your dad got you drunk at nine? No, I just what never else? did. Uh, what's the, what once the... I got drunk? Oh, baby, it was on. <laughs> what's funny is, um, like you know, dad would mow the lawn. He'd be out there, and you'd be like, "Hey, I have a sip of beer," and you get the little. You get the little uh, sip of beer when you're like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know how old I was. And um, my four-year-old somehow took a sip of beer last weekend and like w- like her face lit up and wanted more. And we were like, this is not good. We're, we're, we're in deep trouble. Um, so we, we got to be careful at the pharmacy with the four-year-old because that's they, they do. They frown on underage drinking at the pharmacy. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, they should. Legally. Yes. <laughs> but they have great beers they have great and beers. they have great and they have great burgers. So the pharmacy and the Kingston group, of course, two local businesses. All right. Uh, if you got any questions and comments, go ahead and jump in there. Uh, if you got questions about Aaron Rodgers, if you got questions, we'll have a little Jimmy Garoppolo interlude as well. Uh, so we'll dive into that. And of course, uh, Malik Willis, Baltimore Ravens coaching search, Todd Munkin, future of SEC. That's a lot of stuff today. Uh, all right. Aaron Rodgers. The first question I have for you before we try to unpack all the contract and everything, and does it actually fit into the system and Vrabel and personality and all that other stuff? Because first question I have for you is, could you sit in a dark room for four days? Like what amount of money would you need? To do we do, really to do think that he's does, he's not watching TV just in the dark. I mean, like let, let's get real here. He is a pampered 
piece of crap that is spoiled that is just really putting this out there just to make himself either a be the front center of the story and he's really just sitting there like the the curtains are up but the house is dark and he's well, watching tv like are okay. we really gonna believe that he's not well no apparently he goes to this off-site location where they put you into like what is a solitary confinement cell so forget i'm with you on all sure. the, the roger sure. the rogers garbage could how much oh, money, i'm sure he does that because how, how much money would you have to take to do basically solitary confinement in pitch black dark no phone you got to you know, feel your way to the bathroom that's in the corner there. there would, like there would probably be no money that that I would be able to take because I wouldn't be able to enjoy it because you would literally go crazy. Like that is a literal psychological experiment. That's why I don't believe in that he's actually it's not him going into a room with no outside because the Uber drivers are coming, right? He said he even said I got Uber Eats coming, you know, I got meals planned and all this stuff. So oh, he's got food me. showing up. He's got yeah. food showing up. He, he said he could eat. He said on yeah. the, on McAfee that he could eat, but you can't move out of the, listen, here's the thing. He's he, he yes, you can. He's so, he, no, he, but he's so fucking out there that I'm, and I, he's, I'm telling he, you, listen, this is all like, I am telling you right now, if you are thinking that he is in a room completely dark without access to a TV and a phone, you're, you're, you are, are being naive <laughs> maybe i am I, I i just think of he all is the a fucking celebrity millennial this isn't he has been he listen he can't go on the pat mac go a week without going on the pat mac I know, show. I know. so i am sure this has been scheduled so he can immediately go on to the pat mcafee show so spare me that he's actually in the dark this okay, is a fine, this is a fine. Listen, you don't believe him whatever no, no. Whatever. why would I, you believe him i would do it for five grand a day easy Oh, you you couldn't do it. I don't. I, I'm not. Oh, I'm not saying it, it wouldn't be hard or that I wouldn't go crazy. But five grand a day, I'd do for five grand a day. I would try for for my kids, Zach. For my kids, for my children, I would try um, for five grand a day. I would yeah. do that. I I just wouldn't put it past him because he's so fucking weird. But the, the point is, <laughs> he's doing some sort of contemplative thing and is going to make a decision on his future before March fifteenth. He could retire. He could stay a Packer or he could demand a trade. These are the three options. Packers are open to trading him. Apparently, all the relationships are much better right now in Green Bay. So there's very much... Obviously, the Jets are all lined up trying to acquire him, which... The relationships are much better or they're just like, I'm sick and tired of this fucking loser. Packers... (laughs) I gotta gotta be done. I gotta get this guy out of my fucking hair because i'm I, just that may be right they're annoyed. they are more uh open and transparent with each other how about that um, yeah there you go. I, I think it's probably true and i think fans are that way too half the packers fans are done with it and and half the packers fans would be fine with with the trade and getting him out of there the jets are all lined up stocked up trying to go after him of course the, the titans have been linked with sort of very loose ties we, we know about the property here i do believe personality wise rogers would hate the new york market because he wants to be the center of attention but he wants to be able to control it to your point about his personality i think he would manage i think he would puppeteer the nashville market and he would enjoy it's very easy to (laughs) let's be honest here vrabel vrabel has him whipped i mean like you're whipped he he would have the the, uh, that but therein lies one of the questions because i because vrabel is the guy vrabel is in Mm -hmm. charge and vrabel vrabel's vrabel's word goes and while I think he would love the vibe here and the city better than New York and the coverage and the spotlight, and it's the right amount of attention for him and his little ego, I do think that that drives headlong into Mike Vrabel's core cultural philosophy. 
So before we get into any of the dollars, I think Rodgers is a, a still a great quarterback at, at his age, would still be the best he's option a, for the Titans. He's productive a very wise. good quarterback. What, does it work with Vrabel, though, in your opinion? Hell no. <laughs> like, like this idea that this would work is is blows my mind because it's like people didn't pay attention to when Tier Tart, quote unquote, had an injury in the Green Bay game and saw their exchange where Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and Mike Vrabel is just like, fuck you. I like, why are you even trying to talk to me? I'm out of here. Like, shot him these glares and they had these words. And Mike Vrabel wants guys that are going to be at practice. Mike Vrabel wants guys that are going to help teach younger guys how to play football. Because who doesn't want to do any of those things and has proven constantly that he does not want to do those things, and that is Aaron Rodgers. And then on top of that, on top of that, you can't draft a quarterback. You, oh, you, because you have to why, give up all the you know, yeah. While, you have to give. while Aaron Rodgers is here, you can't draft a quarterback because he's just going to throw a fucking hissy fit again. And Mike Mike Vrabel and Aaron Rodgers just don't mesh. Now yeah, I agree with that. Now on game days, could they mesh more than likely? But there are going to be a lot of instances where you see them getting mad at each other on the sidelines if Aaron Rodgers doesn't. If Aaron Rodgers goes rogue, as you should allow Aaron Rodgers to do, but is that what Mike Vrabel is going to allow him to do? Right. So in my mind, this thing, this thing does not vibe. They do not vibe together in the least. They may be vibe together outside of the thing. Like, Oh, you know, we'll, we'll smoke some cigars, you know, we'll drink some beers, <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. I respect you. You respect me, but just because you respect each other yeah. doesn't mean you like each other. Now uh, there's one argument that is, like, if you both think you can win a Super Bowl, who cares? Get the fuck over it, which is like the Arab enemy thing, right? People but, say they don't, he's hard to work with, but like, if yeah. he's great, don't worry about it. That's one side of things. I also think, again, he would fit in Nashville in general. But here's the other question, though. Like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I, and it's about winning a Super Bowl, and trust me, I do think the Titans are far closer to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers than they are not, but the, he's leaving almost a, a, he's leaving kind of a similar situation. In terms of how so the teams probably a are slightly better to how the, well, but the teams are constructed in very similar ways. The strength of both teams is at the running back position. They've got a bunch of young weapons on the outside that haven't really developed yet. The, the, the Packers offensive line is probably a little bit better. The Titans defense is probably a little bit better. I mean, Vrabel and LaFleur certainly know each other. So how close are they? Who knows? But I don't, it doesn't like if he's trying to win a Super Bowl, it still feels like the Titans would still have to make a bunch of other things happen, fix the offensive line, find some weapons for it to truly be a, a championship caliber team. Whereas I think if you look at the Jets, for example, it's easier to see that they are closer to being a quarterback away. I, I just don't know why Rodgers would approve coming to here other unless he thinks there's some. Again, now we can get to the cost of acquiring him. Uh, I, I got some other stuff to talk about I oh, mean, let's go. before we even let's get go. to the cost of acquiring him. That uh, stuff that you're talking about. Okay, so the 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 pass catchers, they're young here, right? They were young last year. Well, there are two Green Bay pass catchers that are slated to hit the market, Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb. If you're the Tennessee Titans and you're you're trading for Aaron Rodgers and he says, I'll come, but you're gonna have to sign these two, or is that what you're gonna do? Because we've seen him we've seen him force Green Bay into trading for Randall Cobb, right? So why not would he not force you to sign Randall Cobb? Now it's a great question. I would absolutely sign Alan Lazard yeah. to bring Aaron Rodgers here. I would not sign Randall Cobb. Unless Randall Cobb's gonna come for like a million bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
if it's and, the, if it's a one million dollar deal for one year and that's how you get yeah. Aaron Rodgers, then you make it happen. But I, he's not he's not a productive player anymore. Well, and the other thing is is that what you got to look at is you you go back and you talk about how similar the teams are. Well, the offensive line is in much better shape over at Green Bay than it is down in Tennessee. Um, now that obviously can change and everything, but you know is you're banking on a lot of ifs and possibilities if you're Aaron Rodgers choosing the Tennessee Titans. And then I look at it this way. You 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 get him, but like putting up with someone just for the to for the chance of getting a Super Bowl, this isn't putting up with Tom Brady who is a true passionate leader at, at the, on the field that is going to win, that's going to show up, that's going to teach, going to make sure that's everybody in the right spot. This is a totally different personality. And like, I think that this personality can work at other with other head coaches for what you're saying, which is we're going to come together for to be a head coach and a quarterback. We are going to win a Super Bowl. That's yeah. great in theory, but I don't think that necessarily because of the personality that Aaron Rodgers is that that theory turns into reality. And, and some of the I think some of the the. Not not like uh, guarantees you need from him because you can't ask somebody some of this stuff and get a guarantee ever other than just somebody's word. But I, I think like you need to I think to make the move, I think you need to know you're getting two years of Aaron Rodgers to make it work for oh, a lot of reasons. Yes, for sure. For for a lot of reasons. And the problem is is that I think it could work personality wise for one year. It's that second year of personality conflict that maybe causes the problem. Because it, more than likely, have, this first year is not going to be what everybody thinks right, it is. Right, because you need to continue to develop around him the pieces on offense. So what you probably need to shoot for is the Super Bowl in 2024, and at that point has the act worn thin on Vrabel. And that that's where, again, this is all conjecture and speculation here on, on our part, of course, because that's what's fun about doing sports talk. But all right, let's get to the actual costs. You have to give up four draft picks, three draft picks. What do you have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers? Well, it depends because if you if the Packers and you agree that hey, to that benefits everybody for us to make June first designations, which I don't know how that's going to really work out for Tannehill, but that really doesn't matter because I don't think you can wait till June first to make a designation for Ryan Tannehill because he's got so much money tied up in your cap that that would not come off the books until June 1st. But for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers could probably swing that. If that's the case, you're talking about a 2023 pick, right? Because if you got it, if you trade someone with the June 1st designation, you can't trade a 2022, or sorry, I keep thinking it's 2022. <laughs> it would be a 2024 draft pick because you right. cannot trade a player with a June post-June 1st designation for a current year draft pick. Okay, so it'd have to be for 2024. Now, if it's 2024, I think you could get a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers if you're the Packers, and that is what you're going to do. You're going to wait, and it benefits them, but it also benefits the team because they don't have to give a draft pick this year. If it's this year, I think you're going to be lucky to get a first round draft pick. I think, you know, I think that maybe a second and a fifth, fourth, third. Because the contract is just so the cash involved in the contract is so so big, I don't think you're talking multiple firsts. I, I Green Bay has no leverage either because if Tennessee, if Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, "I'm not playing for you, Green Bay," you won't see me on your field. You have to trade me to X team, and if yeah. that team's the Tennessee Titans, 
heck, you got all the leverage, right? Yeah. Because you unless, have a quarterback. Unless it's, two te- unless it's two teams. Unless he's like, look, I like Tennessee yeah. and the Jets. Go for it. I would let the I would let the other uh, sure I agree I would let whatever team is going to bid the highest let him take him in which would be the Jets Jets are going to yeah. outbid you by yeah. far but if they could, he comes out and says just one team in general that means that the Green Bay has no freaking leverage right if he comes out and says hey I'm just want to be traded to any AFC team I'm helping you guys out that creates the Raiders the Titans and right. Right. And the Jets, and I really think the Titans aren't going to get into that sweepstakes if if that were to happen. I think they would. The only way they're in this is if Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, like I said yesterday, comes out and sees a sky blue coming out of his hotel room that's all dark, and he says, uh, "I see the hotel blue room. Titans blue. I'm going to Tennessee." Can you? You know, I wouldn't put it past Nashville to like ARBNB caves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, there's a cave here. Um, it's got a floor. Um, eight hundred a night. Right, especially especially during CMA Fest. Um, maybe he's in a, maybe he's in a cave. I so it, I've seen some things where it's like a first and a third and a fourth, you know. Or a, for, for the Titans, it wouldn't be that. But that's kind of a. The, I'd the be basis. surprised if they get that. I've I've seen that too, right? But I'm just surprised he would have to come out and create leverage on behalf of Green Bay. And is he that considerate of a person? If he wants out and it helps him get out, I could see their interests aligning at some point maybe yeah but that's again we're talking about again it is that's a lot of speculation to throw at someone who has not who should not be given that benefit of the doubt i guess and 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 what it does with a a a pro a franchise with rand carthon and a new offensive coordinator a new ish offensive coordinator um some new coaching staff pieces we know it's going to be a new offensive line like this is clearly a franchise that's transitioning into its next phase yeah for it to be in that position and then decide, nope, we're all in on Rodgers for two years and getting rid of all the picks and getting rid of all the potential to, to restock with draft picks. Like, the I, Jets I, I know- and Raiders, to your point, are in much better position roster-wise right. to give up picks in 2023 for Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Then there comes, because there could be, there's two different costs here. There's a cash cost and a cap hit. The cap hit is very palatable, which I don't think people realized about Aaron Rodgers. 14, 15 million in this year, thirty-two million. The following, then fifty-one, then forty-five. Uh, but the cash is significantly different, which I'm going to get you to explain in a second. Now, in theory, they could restructure this as part of the trade, which has been rumored by a lot of people in Green Bay. Like the only way they're going to make a trade is if it's restructured, which then, of course, helps the other team acquiring them, which then does help Green Bay drive the cost up a little bit. So there, there could be some more maneuvering here. But if you were to trade him right now. And let's say you give up a second and a third to go get him and you go get Aaron Rodgers, and he comes to Nashville as is you trade Ryan Tannehill. Uh, what's, what's it going to cost you? Well, I think that this, I haven't seen the people say that you have to restructure because that was Good. last year I did. But if you restructure, you're pushing more cash into your first year. Um, Oh, unless you're just going to change the wording of the numbers and keep all your numbers the same and change, you know, there's going to be no options there. There were, we're turn it into a signing bonus or something. I mean, I guess you could change right. the wording around, but really you would want to, if I'm a team, I'd want to tear up the whole contract and just start over, not really extend, not really restructure, tear it up because here's the thing. The cap hits are so easy for any team to take on. Even the Tennessee Titans who are over the cap even, uh, I mean, the Raiders right now have the third highest uh, cap space, 
And then I'm looking at the Jets, and they're a little over the cap, but that will change too. So anybody can afford a 15 million, 15.79 million cap hit and a 32.54 million cap hit this year. And if you you can get out of it later on down the road, the difference is the cash. So you know how you said it's like 15, 32, 51, 45 in cap hits, right? Basically, you almost just flip those because that's how much cash you're paying Aaron Rodgers per year. 59.5 cash. That's his base salary and a signing bonus that you're paying up front, or an option bonus that you're paying up front. Then he has a second option bonus that kicks in in 2024. And so now you have to pay that up front. And so then you're paying cash 49.3. So that's $108 million in cash you're spending in two years for Aaron Rodgers. Then it drops significantly to like 20, 20 million in cash and 15 million in cash. So that's a lot of cash that for a team that is having to pay other free agents because you're giving away draft picks, right? You got a lot of hole in the roster. So when you are doing this, when you're thinking about cash, I know like, oh, well, all NFL owners and all NFL entities are flush with cash. Someone's building a new stadium. Okay. <laughs> so we got that. Then you got all these extra, you got two extra coaches' salaries than what you're used to because we don't know if there's pay bumps or anything, but you know there's two extra positions on your staff, your offensive staff. Then you're still paying John Robinson, right? He hasn't been picked up or hired yet. Now on top of that, you're paying a GM, okay? So more cash just going everywhere. Then you got to keep a certain amount of cash in escrow for all your players like signing bonuses and guaranteed money and all that. And then you have to go out and get free agents and don't forget jeffrey simmons big extension coming up which means he's going to get a big signing bonus which means he gets paid that signing bonus in year one in a lump sum of cash a lot of cash is coming out of amy adams drunk now listen maybe she is willing to cut down on her spending and sell a lot of stuff because she wants the super bowl so bad but that's a lot of stuff that you are giving up in terms of cash in terms of assets for something that it does not guarantee you a Super Bowl in yeah. two years. She she is, uh, for those that, the, the top owner in the NFL is worth $60 billion. She is worth $1.6 So, well, I think she could probably come up with $49 million, But a lot of that is like it's a lot assets. Of money. But see, it, that's not cash in the bank. Right, so let's, right, right, let's, right. Let's, let's clarify this because there's going to be a lot of people who hear that and say, oh, she has 1.6. The Titans have $1.6 billion. No. Amy Adams Drunk has, in a, through a mixture of cash, assets, companies, has $1.6 billion yeah. of net worth. She probably does not have that much cash. In fact, you got to remember to fund the stadium and to show the city that they're and the government that they're willing to put in a lot of money. She was selling assets. So that $1.6 billion has probably changed because she has been selling assets to make sure they have enough cash to fund the new stadium. Yeah, and and so again, I, while I don't think that you can also borrow against a, a large asset as well, I, I I think if they they could come up with it, but I do think it's going to hurt you in other ways. Yeah, I just don't think the risk, like to me, the personality conflict, the age, the other issues you need to do with the roster. While I agree that the best chance to win today in the next two seasons is absolutely clearly Aaron Rodgers. It, it it there's a lot of reasons it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
And uh, other than like he likes Nashville and wants to be here and people run with that shit because uh, it, I guess it matters to somebody. Everybody loves being here. He's dude. He's got well, he's got land in Malibu. OK, like it doesn't matter like where he owns a house like Bill Belichick has had a house in Nashville for 35 years. He's never, you know, he's he's not coming down here to be the defensive coordinator anytime soon. Um, so I, I, I again, I think it would work for a short term. I think they can make the money work, but I think it costs the franchise long term. And I think the long-term growth of the franchise and development of the offense and all these things we've talked about, I I understand the calculus that's being done by the front office, Rand Carthon, Vrabel, Amy Adams Strunk. It's due diligence, which we'll get to. Maybe they're not great at. But I think it's due diligence on Aaron Rodgers. Also, consider the source of all the information that ever gets floated during must-lie season, which is all coming from agents trying to leverage something for their clients. So just. I, I don't I, – what's the percent chance that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the for the Tennessee Titans? I, I think it's like – and I'm going a little high just because his options are, are going to be so limited out there. It's like it's retirement. It's retirement, which is probably not very likely. I think that's the least likely because then he's giving up a ton of dollars. I mean, it's he's talking like a lot of money. I, I think everybody's saying $60 million, but I feel like it's a little bit more than that when I'm looking at the stuff. But we'll just say $60 million minimum, right? Okay, so that's like 5% chance. Then I would say okay. that I think going to somewhere like San Francisco or Tampa Bay that's in the NFC is like 5% chance as well. Like I'm, that's I'm with, not I'm, probably going to happen. I'm with you so far. Okay. You know, then you have the the Tennessee Titans, I think. I think when you're looking at the Jets and when you're looking at the Raiders, I think those are more likely destinations than the Tennessee Titans. So I'd put it almost at like a 15 to 20%. This may not Ooh. add up to 100, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then I think retirement's I, actually higher. I think retirement's more like 10 to 15. That's, well, we'll get to your list. You asked me my oh, list. We'll oh, get to your okay. list. Sorry. Okay. That was a conversation was, here. No, Jeez. not yet. I, I got to get through my numbers. 25% <laughs> probably the Raiders. I would say another 25% or something for the Jets. And then I would say that the bulk of it, I think he's going to go end up back in Green Bay. Really? Okay. I, I just have this feeling. I think that's the most likely scenario is that he ends back up in Green Bay. All right. So I'm, because now, if now you I'm, start weighing these options, right? Is there any, is there, there's no place like home. It just isn't. <laughs> um, I just don't, I think, I don't know if the Packers, I think the Packers uh, would like to move on. Um, all right. I'm uh, hopefully this all adds up to a hundred. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's like 20% green Bay, 20% retirement, 20% jets, 20% Raiders, 10% NFC, 10% Titans. Okay. So, wow. You got the Titans as the lowest. You think retirement's well, more likely than no than... Uh, 10 and 10. They're exactly the same numbers guy. You, you said 20 for the, the retirement. Ten, no, 10 retirement, 10 Titans. I think those are the last two options. You wait, said wait. The NF, you said NFC was ten. Sorry, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I, I actually listen. I well, I don't even listen to myself. <laughs> um, ten percent NFC. Yes. Ten percent Titans. Twenty percent AFC teams not named the Titans. Twenty percent Green Bay. Twenty percent retirement. I think that's a hundred percent. So yes, you're right. You're, sorry, I thought I thought I I didn't even know. I listen. This is what happens when you just do numbers within five yeah. seconds of doing this. So yeah, um, but I I. I have the Kingston group handle all your numbers yeah, for you. I, I don't think retirement is that high just because man's got to love his money. I mean, I, don't I, you? I mean like a hundred million dollars will do, a, will change a lot of people's yeah. minds. Yeah. I tend to agree, but also 
th- this guy's just so out there, man. He's just so he's so bizarre. Yeah, and Sean says Green Bay's trying to avoid trading Rodgers to the NFC. Right? That's why I have it at like five percent. I have it as the lowest one too. I think that's the least likeliest possibility is being traded to another NFC team. I mean, that would be uh, a real dick that. move for him to come out and say out of this thing and say trade me to an NFC rival like San Francisco. That would be such a dick <laughs> move. Yeah, and that that is very that's a five percent chance that that is going to happen. Hey, Matt Lafleur, trade me to the coach you haven't been able to beat in the postseason yeah. for the last six years, the Niners. Um, all right, so Rod, that's a lot of Rogers talk. Make sure you go to the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, our great and awesome sponsors. Uh, our kids Soup Sunday, they're big supporters of that. It's coming up this Sunday at Nissan Stadium. Go buy some tickets, twenty five bucks, support some local kids, and also make sure you. Uh, you know, <laughs> you get to taste like 40 of the best soups in Nashville by all these awesome chefs. Uh, the pharmacy, of course, over on the McFerrin Avenue, uh, East Nashville. They also have a location downtown. Locally sourced beers. You're not going to get a better bratwurst. You're not going to get better tots, mustards, burgers, creativity, all that stuff. And no screens, really. It's about, like, communal experience. You sit out there in the beer garden. The weather's getting nice. So go check out the pharmacy, of course, it's, over there. It, in, in hey, the listen, basket. it's what uh, you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be doing. There's no screens in Aaron Rodgers' room. Like, there's no screens at pharmacy. Uh, dude, if he's you so want to really there, commune, I believe him. If you really want to commune, go to the pharmacy. Don't go to the hotel that uh, Aaron Rodgers is for sure staying at. <laughs> you think he's just at It's probably hotel. one of those, like, uh, high... He's probably glamping. It's like a wigwam <laughs> with the uh, the TV and everything in there. That's See, I think that's that's likely as well. Now, he described yeah. it specifically. I don't want to get into this shit. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Like, it's just... it's so He's just so weird. Like, I do want to try ayahuasca with a shaman, though. I will say that. If that makes yeah. me wrong, then I don't want to be right. Um, all right, a little Jimmy Garoppolo interlude here uh, real quickly before we get to Malik Willis, uh, the Ravens, the offensive coordinator search, Georgia, Alabama. Um, I, it, Jimmy Garoppolo is interesting to me because it feels like you feel that Jimmy Garoppolo is an improvement more so on Ryan Tannehill than almost anybody else not named Aaron Rodgers. Am I, am I misrepresenting you yes, in any way in that? You're to, uh, what, <laughs> I guess what you need to, need to specify in what way. Because if you read stackingtheinbox.com, where I talked about Derek Carr and I've talked about Jimmy Garoppolo on today, so it's $4 a month and you're getting a loads of information, loads of stats, contract projections, and all this stuff. I think the Jimmy Garoppolo or Jimmy Garoppolo is the better value proposition for the Tennessee Titans. And he's the better scheme fit if you truly want to be versatile on offense. Okay. Does not mean I think that Ryan Tannehill can't run a scheme like the pro spread style offense that they kind of want to incorporate. It's just that Jimmy G's already ran it and we've already seen, and he's learned from the best of both the Shanahan offensive coordinator. He's learned from Kyle Shanahan and the pro style, Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, and Brian or Bill Belichick. So he's learned from the best of both styles of offense that can come in. He could probably teach it better than Tim Kelly could teach it. So (laughs) now the better quarterback in my opinion, is Ryan Tannehill. And that's what I stated in, in the thing. If you're looking at the better the better player on the field, it is Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I, I have a tough time because I know efficiency metrics, Jimmy Garoppolo is slightly more efficient player than most of these guys we've talked about with the exception of Rodgers. My problem is, I, I like my I, two, two things. First of all, the surrounding and supporting cast for Jimmy Garoppolo, coaching staff and personnel on the field is extraordinary, as we've talked about. And I just don't I, I I've seen him in big moments where I feel like he is the limiting factor on the team. I, I've seen him in the Super Bowl and he was the problem. I've seen him in the NFC championship game and he was the problem. Like he's a good player. 
So was Matt Ryan the problem then in the Super Bowl versus when the Patriots came back? Uh, no, that was Kyle Shanahan. Ironically, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> okay. No, well, there, there's no. one common denominator between the two. You could choose to ignore it just because Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, which I agree. But Kyle Shanahan is the reason why they lost that game because they shifted away from what was working. Yeah. Okay. I'm not suggesting Kyle Shanahan's been perfect every game or that. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had great moments. He has. I just, uh, for some reason, my eye test and that call that old school, whatever you want. I don't care. Like I, I don't see the next tier of play from Ryan Tannehill out of Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't see the, I don't see him elevating the offense, the players around him. I, I think he is scheme dependent. You, I think he's more not fully agree. Yeah. So I just don't, That's to exactly me now here's the problem. If he is, as good as some people think, I mean, the projections are between 25 and 34 million a year for this guy. Like th this is not a, he's you not know, rental this for 20 years. Million 20 million. At, uh, Spot track who put that 34 million out there. Cause I, I checked it. They looked at it and I looked at it and they just kind of have a, a firm formula that just plugs in numbers of other contracts, right? So their market value isn't really based on anything other than like the cold hard data of other people's contracts. They well, take but your age. No, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. they take your age, they take your games played, they take your stats, and they take the money of other contracts and they average it all out. They don't literally go in there and say, okay, here's how the market is looking. Here's the teams that can afford to pay this. It's a cold hard formula. Right, there's nothing, right. there's no subjectivity to it right it's just a cold hard computer telling telling them okay here's the numbers here's where where it's at yep ironically ryan Tannehill, Derek carr on that list as the two yes. of the four two of the four names that are 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 being compared to him i i just think ryan Tannehill would be just as capable if not more capable at a cheaper price to run this offense than jimmy garoppolo now if he's 21 million a year and you can get picks then maybe there's a conversation there. But I well, don't see him as an improvement on Tannehill. And I think it right. might actually cost you more. And I just don't I did it to doesn't me, that's cost a non starter. You so you, you got to start paying attention to what I write. I know you read it, but you got to pay attention to It's a lot of shit in there, it. man. Hell yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Then you wouldn't say stuff like, well, it's cheaper. It's technically the better value long term and in the short term is Jimmy Garoppolo. It, you're still getting Ryan Tannehill. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill in this particular system are much closer to the same quarterback than what people want to give Jimmy Garoppolo credit for. Now, the difference is is injuries, right? I mean, you, but you got to take that into effect that there's he's going to miss some games. More more than likely, he's going to miss some games. But is the value long? Do you put yourself in a better position long term for the same results? Because you're you're more than likely right now the, over the next two years, and, and that's when that's how I would do a contract extension, three years after this year, and lowering the cap hit and all that kind of stuff. That helps make. That's why Ryan Tannehill has trade value, right? But if I take that, get the draft picks, and I'm technically saving about five million dollars on Jimmy G in 2023, technically because of cap savings that you still got left over. And I'm going and I can still get out Jimmy Garoppolo fairly easily. And I'm not paying that much up the front in cash. I'm not paying that much in 2024 and still get out of them. And you're still without a Super Bowl, but you've set yourself up for future success because you traded yeah. away Ryan Tannehill. The other thing is, if you are a big proponent of the team 
tanking or hoping to fail in 20 for Caleb Williams or Drake May, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down and Malik Willis is his backup, just yeah, say yeah. Make, there's, you make, there's, make it what you want. And there's, you know, there's Caleb Williams. I, yeah. So I get, listen, I get the 27 and the 36 confused all the time with Tannehill. It's 36 cap hit. If he's on the team, yes. 27 is the dead, you know, the, the 18, the dead. Yeah. So I was thinking 27. So that that's me. Um, but again, at the, I do agree that the reason Garoppolo, the only reason I would, you're, you're essentially restarting your, quarterback clock for like three or four years that that's the only difference is the age either here. with an extension with the yeah. ron Tannehill or jim it's 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 essentially the same thing you're just saying do i want a second and fourth round pick or a third and a fifth do i want two picks and have ryan Tannehill, or do i want no picks and have ryan Tannehill? that's it, essentially what you're saying and he's three well and he's three the three years younger could be those three years that you're yeah. getting him right like that's the that could be the difference uh i just don't think he is like all that much better because i i I He's see not. them. I, I agree. I, just, I I don't. I don't. I don't. I've never really I, gotten. I think Garoppolo's fine. I've never gotten it. I, I've Ryan Tannehill's never, fine. So. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill are quarterbacks that can run the system the Tennessee Titans want to be. And, We've and seen what, it on paper. We've seen the results, tangible results, and they have both been successful. I think that if you swap the 2015 or the 2022 quarterbacks, if you put Jimmy G over on Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill over on San Francisco and because one play 10 games, one play 12 games. Right. So I essentially think that their efficiency numbers and stats are going to be almost identical again. Like Ryan Tannehill is going to be like top five. Jimmy G is going to be top 15, which is what Ryan Tannehill was like. They're, they're the same quarterback. I, and yeah, I, the could, same I see what you're saying there. And I could see Jimmy G struggling even worse with this offensive, like the way this offense was constructed here in Nashville. So well, uh, I will say this. He doesn't have a lot of air yards, so he gets the ball out pretty quick and pretty short. So I think that maybe he takes advantage of the short to intermediate field a little bit better than what Ryan Tannehill does. Yes, but no, none of the athletic ability of right. Tannehill, although this past season that, that was limited. Mad Bell says, Vrabel is not tanking. Why do people seem to think he will tank? No, I don't nobody really, thinks he is. I don't people think people want will. him to. Yeah, I don't think people do either. There's um, a difference between thinking that he actually is and wanting him to. Nobody thinks he is. Uh, is this Avenzies? Is that what this yeah. says? Trade ta trade Tannehill, get picks, and use them, plus your first for Stroud and Young. I recommend going and listening to Monday's edition yes. of this exact show. Um, uh, where does Daniel Jones rank if the New York Giants, that is, uh, let him walk away? Uh, is he likely getting around $35 million a year? That seems a little high uh, for Daniel Jones. I think like twenty eight million. Yeah, that's like, probably about right. I I would take Daniel Jones over Jimmy Garoppolo just as a trial, because I think he's got he's oof. way younger. He's got way younger. Way Brian more Dable coming with him. <laughs> yeah, I know it's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, that, that Asan, was a little tough pill for me to swallow. Hassan says trade for Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh, uh, go back and listen to the first half of the show. Um, yes. I think our I think our end result is no. But if you want more details, I think it's very unlikely that. that's going to happen. Yes, I, I tend to agree with that as well. Um, all right. Uh, let's get into some Malik Willis here. Kingston Group Pharmacy, of course. There's our great sponsors right up there. Uh, go check out the Kingston Group for any home renovation projects and go check out the Kingston Group for or, and the pharmacy for a great place to have a burger. Um, so I, I want to be very transparent here. Uh, Paul Karski talked about this on his podcast, which is also on the 440 Sports Network about sort of just Malik Willis and, and he was talking about some specific stuff, but like I was thinking about this for you and I, and he's a name that we haven't really touched on much on this show because he's kind of just been lost in the shuffle. Now that could mean a number of things. 
But the real issue here is with a new coordinator who does know him a lot, a head coach that does know him, running headlong into a new general manager and front office structure that doesn't know him all that well, uh, at least that we know of. They they certainly probably scouted him. Um, And then Charles London, who's got no attachment to him at all. What sort? What should be the right way fans view Malik Willis entering what what will be will be mini camp? I guess here in a couple of months. Well, we said we said when this all started, when this offseason started, and it was over. Or we may have even said this after Josh Dobbs got the first start, and he played really really good uh, comparatively. And we said it's all on Malik Willis. So my my thinking is is that is oh Malik Willis has a fresh start it's that can Malik Willis take advantage of a fresh start and i that's where i struggle because we know that until he got benched he wasn't coming in to or coming in earlier now maybe that changes and that carries over into the offseason he's putting in work and he's studying the playbook and he's getting his reads and he's doing all this effort if he is that's great that's great for that's great for the Titans. Like, if anything, if you are a Titans fan, it's great for everybody. <laughs> you should root, and if you're working in the building, you should be rooting that Malik Willis has an epiphany and has a sudden, like, whatever happens into his life, and then he becomes this magnificent quarterback, and it solves all your issues and all this stuff. The game slows down for him. Yeah, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I I've heard a lot of people say, well, Justin Fields and and Jalen Hurts, and listen, Justin Fields great, but he's not really passing the ball really still that well, and he, and Malik Willis isn't the athlete that Justin Fields is, and Malik Willis is nowhere near the work ethic and drive and dedication to the sport and craft that Jalen Hurts is. Spare me these comparisons. There is no jump like that that we can bet on. No, no, I, I agree. I will say that I think that there's a similar sort of drive and personality between Hertz and Malik Willis. The problem well, I, is, is that, that. Well, well, here, but let me, let me, what I'm the comparison, I think the problem is, is that Malik Willis didn't start that process until his rookie year in the NFL. Uh, that that's, he didn't have to do any of that. He didn't have uh, like to be week 17 in the, his rookie year. In the <laughs> I just NFL. mean, he didn't, he didn't, he was praised a lot for his growth through camp and mini camp and OTAs. The problem is he was starting from such a low point. Whereas Hertz, the son of a, you know, again, the son of a high school coach, this guy has been a student of the game. He was the freshman. He was, he led his team to the national championship game with a lead as a true freshman. So like, this is a guy who clearly mentally gets the game at a higher level at a younger age than Willis. So I, the, are the skills kind of similar? Fine. If you want to be lazy about it, but I think Hertz's development as a quarterback started years before Malik Willis's process did. And I think that's the major difference. And so now I do believe here's the the good news for the Titans. I, I think they're in this kind of weird in-between spot where they get both knowledge of the player, institutional knowledge of the player. So they have the starting point better than Rand Carthon and Charles London do, but they also get the fresh eyes. So they, what I like about the situation for Malik Willis and for the Titans is that they have, you've got Vrabel and Kelly that have knowledge of this guy what he needs to do better make decisions quicker go through reads let it rip etc 
But then you also have some fresh blood coming in to say, look, here's let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. Here's some new ideas here. Let's try this. I think that at least gives him an opportunity to come in with a chance to win the backup role if there's a Rodgers or a Tannehill or a Garoppolo um, and 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 just win that spot and show that he's better. And, and I just don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think he's off the team. So, Well, I, th- I think there is a possibility that they can cut him or th- that they could depend on what they do in the draft when it comes down to the quarterback situation. And even if there is all this, here's the thing is that GMs typically want their own guy. So right now, what you're typically asking of Rand Carthen is to say, Hey, we know that you didn't draft Malik Willis, but I, Mike Vrabel really pushed for Malik Willis, which we don't, I would very be very hard pressed to believe but it is a possibility, okay? So Rabel, that is Rabel's possibility. Been, Rabel's been pretty critical of, of Malik. Right. So, so in, in the end, you probably have two forces that are on the same side that think that Malik Willis is probably not the guy. So you cannot make plans for the future with Malik Willis included. Now, can Malik Willis change their mind? Yes. Can Charles? Is it Charles London's job to get the most out of Malik Willis? Yes. It is Charles London's job right now to put a plan in place for the offseason for Malik Willis, who hopefully is showing up, you know, while he can under the CBA to the facility and talking to Charles London and getting his homework and getting a plan put together for his offseason. And if he sticks to it, then maybe just maybe he comes up in camp, no matter if they draft one or whatever, and says, hey, you're you're not going to be able to kick me off this team. And maybe he makes it the competition between him and the rookie quarterback in this scenario or whoever the backup is. Maybe the competition is so fierce and so good and high quality, unlike the fierce competition between Logan Woodside and Malik (laughs) Willis, that they can push out Ryan Tannehill if they decide to keep him. There's a possibility, but this is a a multiverse that probably is not going to exist. I, I agree with the likelihood factor here. Um, but here's the weirdest thing about Malik Willis that just in general, th- that is tough for me to get my head around. Like physically, he, he is a big, strong guy at his side. Not tall, but like he is a he's a thick dude, man. Like I've been around him enough to see the physical. Action. He is incredibly athletic. His arm is real big and real fast. He throws darts. And apparently this sort of desire to get better which was talked about at ad nauseum by everybody around him throughout camp and into the, into the season was all there. So what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is like, what, where's the missing piece here? And sometimes quarterbacks just don't have the thing when the lights, when the ball is snapped and you've got to go like that through your reads or, or even know what you're going to do before the snap. Sometimes you just don't have it and you just can't figure it out. But, but, but he kind of has everything else to show tremendous improvement and to get to at least a point where he earns the second string job next year. The key is, does he get a true fair shake and a clean slate in this because of a new GM and a new quarterbacks coach, or is the institutional knowledge that Vrabel and Tim Kelly have already set him behind? And I I I just don't know. I I think, I think we deserve to see it. That's for sure. Well, make no bones about it. Charles London scouted and studied Malik Willis last year they drafted desmond ritters just a few spots ahead of malik willis they scouted this class so charles london knows what malik willis was heading into his rookie year 
So he's going to have a good, what he studied in solemn film, what Pat O'Hara studied in solemn film, what Mike Vrabel has experienced. Same with Tim Killen, uh, Pat O'Hara, that the, the, all that mixed together is good. They're going to have a pretty good concrete outlook on Malik Willis and with Charles London involved. Now, Carthon is probably a different story. I'm sure. I know Carthon pounded the table for Brock Purdy, but there's no telling what, and Carthon was involved in Trey Lance, but there's no telling what he actually did with Malik Willis in terms of scouting. Cause we know that where was Malik Willis projected? Was that really a player that was on his plate or a player that was maybe on Adams Peters plate when you're talking about division? Yeah. Of labor? So part of, Part of the reason Rodgers is is being pushed pushed out, however you want to perceive it in Green Bay, is that Jordan Love is actually even developed in year three from year two. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, do you think that everybody that's in charge knows everything they need to know by the end of preseason next year? Or do you think, think that there needs to be another even there could does he even deserve another chance after that? Or do you know everything you need I, to know by I next don't camp? I think the difference between those two situations is that Jordan Love was a clear first round pick the whole way through and the NFL treated him as such when he was drafted in the first round. Malik Willis was treated as a first yeah. round pick by analysts, a third round pick by the NFL. And yeah. I, I think at that point, if he doesn't show enough, he has to show, I think tremendous growth for them to give him, for him to stay on the team I, without going on the practice squad. He has to show that tremendous growth. He, he may not make the final 53. I think that is a very real possibility. Yeah, and actually, I could, I, could, I could argue this giant jump is just as much of a possibility of not making the 53, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're probably kind of even, yeah. even odds at this point. Uh, either way, there it, it is sort of a, a restart for him to some degree. Um, and Because, again, if we're going to have some new offense and some new system and some new wrinkles and new this and new coach and new GM. Everybody gets a blank you know? slate but Mike Vrabel in my book. <laughs> that's fair. I like that. I, and I do. That's a good point because it's not just Willis. It's a lot of other guys. That, that are in that are in the last couple of draft classes, right? In particular on offense. So um, we shall see about that. All right, Baltimore Ravens um, hired Todd Munkin, which is going to lead us into a conversation about Georgia and Bama for a minute. But also, how about the, the Tennessee Titans? Now, I, this is I, <laughs> this is going to turn into it like it's already kind of a thing uh, that that you are very frustrated by, rightly so. That this the insular sort of. Uh, not doing enough diligence, not casting a wide enough net for Mike Vrabel, which is sort of a pattern and a strategy for him. I would, I would say that's his choice. It may be wrong. Uh, it may be right. We don't know. We'll find out that he's one and one so far with OCs. Um, what does the Todd Munkin hiring to the Baltimore Ravens tell you about the Titans offensive coordinator search that you want the good people out there to know? That it was a sham. That it was not done with due diligence. It was not done... The, it could be a bad process, and if Tim Kelly works out, it could be a good result. It could be bad process, good result. Those things happen. It could be a, a bad process and a bad result just as easily that Tim Kelly does not have the feel. But if you want to go off words, t- Mike Frabel said on 104.5 that he interviewed around six people, okay, interviewed extensively. So not just like sent a text and, and kind of – poked some trees and some bushes and kind of shook a little stuff here and there and text messages and calls. He literally interviewed six people. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) And, um, but if you look at the Baltimore Ravens, they interviewed 
13 individual candidates. Okay. Five of those 13 made it to the second round. Now, Byron left, which is kind of like in the middle. What I read is like the athletic he was talked to in the second round, but I think it was a first round interview. Okay. So he didn't make it officially do a second round interview. So they interviewed Todd Munkin, Dave Canellis, quarterback of the Seattle, quarterback coach of Seattle Seahawks, Bobby Ingram, Wisconsin offensive Ugh, coordinator. Gross. Justin Otten, who is now the running backs coach here, who is former offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos, and Brian Angelicho, uh, passing game coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. You know what all those guys have in common? No ties to John uh, Harbaugh. Okay? No ties to Harbaugh. And none of them are internal candidates. Okay? So, so the Ravens interviewed as many external candidates as the Titans did total candidates. Yeah, almost. Because you got to remember, though... They only had two internal candidates interview throughout the entire process. So only two internal candidates, George Godsey, tight end coach, and James Urban, quarterback coach at Baltimore, were the only internal candidates they interviewed for the Denver Broncos, or for the Baltimore Ravens. They still interviewed, on top of those other five external interviews, Zach Robinson, Chad O'Shea, Eric Bieniemy, Chad Hall, Doug Nussmeyer, and, of course, Byron Leftwich, like Shari said. But all of those are external. Every single one of them. And I have not done my research, but most of these guys don't have ties to Harbaugh that I'm aware of or to the Ravens organization that I am aware of. Like, they've worked under him. They 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 came from coaching trees or whatever. Because right. I don't really think Harbaugh has that extensive of a coaching tree, like, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, well, he his, doesn't he, have a lot of assistance. No, no. He, now, Michigan's offensive coordinator last year was off of his staff. And now, of course, he's been fired for like bizarro computer hacking or some shit yeah. in Michigan, which is really weird. Um, no, I, I listen. I think Todd Munkin is the most influential coordinator in college football the last three years. He has run the Georgia Bulldogs offense into a top five offense nationally. They've got back to back national championships because of, in part, what he's done there. I think Baltimore was one of the primo landing spots for all coordinators. I think probably Kellen Moore landed in the better spot, maybe. But I, I, I think this was a pretty good spot for most coordinators. They viewed it that way. And as the top available, most sought-after offensive coordinator in college football, I think the Ravens did a pretty good job to get him. Um, through all of that, it's hard to say any of that stuff about the Titans search. Like right. any, of the, any of the things that I just said, it's hard to say any of that about what the Titans did. Okay, let's break it down because I broke it down football and other F words and I could not get Mike to just agree that this is what it is because this is the most likely and logical conclusion to draw. When, when you are talking about the most logical conclusion to draw is typically the right one, right? The easiest explanation is typically the, the only explanation. Occam's okay. razor, I believe. Uh, yeah, Otten interviewed for offensive coordinator. I'm going to throw that one in there, even though I, I kind of think that maybe he was, but let's say he was, Okay. Charles London, Tim Kelly. We know those three for sure interviewed. So that leaves three that has not interviewed that are, that we don't aren't aware of. They have to be internal candidates. We have reports of 13 for the Baltimore Ravens. On, on okay. their website, on the Baltimore Ravens official website. Oh, I found I didn't even go to that website. I went to other websites and found them. I mean, these 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 are legit everywhere, right? So this is legit information. 13 <laughs> interviews, okay? If the if the three interviews if the three interviews that we have not heard of have to be internal candidates and you know why because Tim Kelly was said to be the leading internal candidate if he's the only one then who is he leading 
right in the internal candidate pool. Okay. So I love how your brain works sometimes. Well, yeah, it's just simple. It's simple words, right? Well, it the also may not mean it also may not mean anything. You just then why why would you say candidate. is the internal candidate or is an inter- or a internal candidate or the <laughs> Tim Kelly is the internal candidate? Leading internal candidate suggests logically that there are other internal candidates. I think those candidates are the guys that shifted positions, and that would be Tony Dews. Luke Steckel, who has an interview for an offensive coordinator position, it would make sense that the only reason that he got the Chargers offensive coordinator interviews because they heard that he was interviewing for the Tennessee Titans. I would say Steckel is absolutely one of them. Yeah, I would say Steckel, Tony Dews, and Pat O'Hara. And I don't know if the Pat O'Hara one is a legit interview, right? Like, it's like, I feel these weren't legit extensive interviews. And boils down to is that the Ravens did a legit due diligence interview casting a wide net out into the ocean whereas mike Vrabel went fishing in a pond in his backyard that's essentially the the, the logical yeah. conclusion to draw is that I, I i agree with your basic thesis there on all of that i can't disagree i do think that todd munkin is a little less i don't know what the right word is maybe like inside the box versus outside the box like creative versus traditional right if you're going to use those words to kind of describe a search todd munkin is been in the NFL multiple times. He's the top coordinator in college football. So he is sort of a an obvious traditional inside the box candidate as well. It doesn't mean that it wasn't an extensive search. I, I just don't I don't think well, Todd we know Munkin, it was an extensive search. No, no, sorry, for the tight for the Titans. Yeah. I, I don't, oh, it definitely I, was an extensive search. Right. So but I also don't think that this is and this also is going to go to what Kirby Smart did, which is elevate Mike Bobo, which is exactly what Mike Vrabel did. Um, Mike Bobo, former coordinator for Georgia for like seven years until 2014 under Mark Richt. He was with Auburn at Brian Harson in South Carolina. He's the been head coach that failed. Um, it's one of those where like, it's not innovative. It's not creative. I don't necessarily think that hiring Todd Munkin is like creative for Baltimore, but I do think it is. I think they clearly did their work to eventually settle on a piece that might've been pretty obvious but they at least tried the other things. That that's what I'm trying to get at is that it's not a it's, it's not obvious out- because he's a successful offensive coordinator <laughs> at the NFL and the NCAA. I mean, like right, you right. don't get penalized in a search for hiring someone that is fucking good at their job. Yeah, I just mean okay, even if it's creative or not creative or whatever, it still shows that hey, we went to 13 candidates, and while we are settling for a guy that's been here before. We're choosing. We know he is the best guy for the job out of a wide range of talented candidates. The Tennessee Titans had their mind made up at the beginning, at the end of the year, that if Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy weren't going to return their calls. It was always going to be Todd or uh, Tim Kelly. <laughs> now that I that I can get behind. I, I think of the third, like Bobby Ingram, for example, has no business being on that list. Like I can't right. even believe and he was for a second round of interviews. I can't even believe he was interviewed, honestly. But like J- Jesus, go watch their offense. But I. I guess if you would have given me those 13 names, I would have ranked Todd Munkin at number one, most obvious oh, and number yeah. one best. But even with them knowing that they probably could have gotten him, they still went out and did the work to try to check and double check and triple check. And I think that's what we're trying to say here is that it's not that they did some super awesome, amazing thing by finding this diamond in the rough guy. Right. That's a genius. Like that. That's not what they did. They had their guy, but then they still checked everywhere else. And that's and that, not that, what Tennessee Titans fans were largely wanting. They were wanting a guy that you've kind of heard for, like Matt Nagy, Eric yeah, Bieniemy. Yeah. There are guys that have been offensive coordinators before. It's not like that, you know, 
I was pushing for like Thomas Brown and Bobby Slowick, who ended up as the Houston offensive coordinator. I was pushing for those guys. Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach. I, but, I, I love Brian Johnson. Yeah. But like I understood that that's asking a lot for Mike Vrabel to, you know, do due diligence and get out of his comfort zone because he doesn't <laughs> want to do that. And I, honest to God, I think that Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy. I think Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy were only getting interviews because they wanted to pick their brain about the Kansas City style offense. And I think that's why I, I just think that it was really probably just Tim Kelly all along. Here's and I I don't. Here's the other thing. If I'm Bieniemy and Nagy, like I don't know why you would come to Tennessee. Honestly, well, if you're being, I I don't think Nagy should come to Tennessee because if, B, if B enemy leaves, who's going to be offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs? And I've said this a couple of times on the show. It's going to be Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is going to get the promotion. He's going to get the cushy job of being Patrick Mahomes. But Eric B enemy wants to be a head coach, and nobody thinks that he can be a head coach because they don't know what he is out from underneath Andy Reid. That's why he's probably getting the commander's job. And he's going to be with Ron Rivera, who is also a lame duck head coach. Maybe that's his plan, too. Hey, I'll be C, and when Ron Rivera gets fired, I'll get promoted and I'll show everybody. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, which leads us to our last thing here. I know we've been running a little long. We'll kind of wrap up quickly here. Pharmacy, Kingston Group, two amazing, awesome local sponsors here. Um, the, the This is the first time. Now, it's not, it's not technically the first time. Um they replaced their defensive coordinator last year, but we kind of know that this is like Mike Vrabel replacing a defensive coordinator. Like Kirby smart is the defensive coordinator. They kind of have like four defensive coordinators on the staff. Dan Lanning went to be at Oregon last year. So they replaced him last year. Now they're having replaced Todd Munkin, but Todd Munkin again, I think is you could argue the most influential coordinator in all of college football the last three years. And so to have to replace him on the other side of the ball from the head coach, I I just I find the Mike Bobo hiring to be utterly fascinating because it feels very Mike Vrabelish, but but not Nick Sabanish, but <laughs> not Nick Sabanish yeah. at all. Really, it, it's like you know? see, I don't I don't think he see. Well, I guess technically, if this is a rehabilitation, so maybe it is right. You're it's a little a bit former of both, offensive maybe. coordinator yeah. in your brain, so maybe it is a little bit Sabanish and Mike Vrabelish. It, it might be a little bit of both. You're right, and the key is that Georgia fans have a very bizarre like like their image of Mike Bobo when he left was like good riddance to some degree. Mm -hmm. The problem is is that they were number seven in the nation in offense efficiency in his last year. They were number thirteen in the nation in his second to last year, and they were number one in the nation in 2012. At, when they were five yards away from winning the national championship, if Aaron Murray's pass isn't five yards short of the end zone, they go on to beat Notre Dame in the national title game the year Alabama did. And so I, I like this guy's offenses were top five in the SEC for six straight years. All of this was under Mike, uh, Mike, Vrabel. all of this was under Mark Richt and it, and it was a decade ago. So the question is, has he evolved enough to be modern or is that like, that's where it's not like Nick Saban's rehabilitation clinic. It's, it's, he's sort of an old school, like loyalist hire, not a, Hey, I need you to pull the offense forward hire the way Sarkeesian and Kiffin did for Alabama. So it's, it, to me, it's insular like Vrabel. Uh, but it also is a retread, uh, you know, rehab, the, the image kind of deal. And there's a, Oh, by the way, three quarterbacks for Georgia that are going to battle for the starting spot. So, yeah, it's going to be super interesting because you're talking about you, you've losing some good offensive linemen. You're, you know, you're losing one of your better tied, one of the two of the best tight ends in the nation in Darnell Washington. 
You're losing uh, Kenny McIntosh is gone as well. It's just it's just these little things. They were able to overcome it last year. I don't know if the field of competition was as strong necessarily because Alabama was kind of a down year. LSU's up and coming. You know, Tennessee was pretty good, but are they going to be good this year? Can can this is a big test for Kirby Smart in my opinion? Can he fully duplicate? an Alabama like program with Kirby smart or with uh, the way that he is able to fill in these coordinator positions because Georgia is now such a high profile college program that is churning out NFL draft picks. He's going to eventually once draft picks start getting churned out at the high rate that they are next, next is your coaching staff. So he's already turning out the draft prospects. So now the coaching staff's coming. Can he maintain levels of success like Nick Saban has? That's going to be, it's an interesting thing to watch going forward. Kirby yeah. Smart. Uh, yep. And uh, losing his defensive coordinator, his offensive coordinator in back-to-back seasons. Now Nick Saban did that this year at the same time, but he's kind of also, you know, Saban's got a long track record of doing this. Um, he, he has shown the ability to do it. I, some of the Bama fans probably aren't all that unhappy with, the moves that they made, um, getting Tommy Tommy Reese in there um, to run the offense and losing Bill O'Brien, I don't think Bama fans were all that upset about it. I think losing I think losing Todd Munkin is a huge loss. And to your point, it's a huge like show us that you can do this, Kirby. You've, you're you're the you're the program now, back to back champions, best roster in America, NFL draft picks, replace this, replace that. Show us that you can do it. And it was interesting that he that he just hired a former offensive coordinator from Georgia <laughs> to be his yeah. guy. So I, yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's late in the process and that's part of the problem for college. Probably. Football. Probably. I mean, that, that could be some of this, but uh, also it's a safe hire. There's, there's a floor there. Right. Right. Um, but is that good enough to win a third championship? I, yeah, I, exactly. We'll find, we'll find out. I, I do think the sec is stronger, but not maybe at the top in 2023. Right. So it'll be. They still are the clear cut favorite. Their schedule, by the way, woof. Yeah, woof. They're yeah. they're gonna they're gonna run through some people, dude. Um, oh yeah, no doubt. No question about it. I think that I think that's about I think that's about enough for us. Zach. Yes. Don't you think, man? I think so. <laughs> I think you may have to split this into two podcasts. Thank you guys all for hanging out with us. Uh, all the comments. Uh, there's a couple guys in there yell, yelling at each other, which I appreciate that. I, I appreciate a couple people yelling, getting in fights in the comment section. I like that. Uh, so we do appreciate your passion. Rate, review, subscribe. Make sure you check out the Kingston Group. And the pharmacy, two great locally owned sponsors here in Nashville, Tennessee, for home renovations and for burgers, obviously. So check out those guys. Football and other F words. Stackingtheinbox.com is the website. Four dollars a month. There you go. All the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network, of course, uh, on Friday. Uh, if you want some Titan Stadium insight, former Mayor Megan Barry on Lamestream Sports. So make sure Ooh. you check out. Make sure you check out Lamestream Sports as well. So thank you guys all for hanging out. Have a great weekend for Zach. I'm Braden. This has been a football show. 